0: Hello welcome to Saltgrass and today we are live in the studio again with Zoe Scolio and this is the last of our four episodes together where we have been sharing stories that Zoe has collected a from around town about people who are finding ways for community to gather, care, share, support each other in all sorts of different ways. And we've explored quite a few of them over the last few weeks with Zoe. And today we've got two more examples of that. And we also have a guest live in the studio with us, which is exciting. Um, Alison Nye from the Country Women's Association or the CWA. And we've got a pre-recorded uh interview that Zoe did with Kaz.
1: I chatted to Kaz, also known as Carolyn Nielsen, yeah. um, about her home, uh, Mernong, which is a plot of land that's subdivided with a number of properties living there and they have a body corporate model and I thought it was a really interesting model thinking about community in terms of those you live with, but they also think about community in terms of how the people living on the plot of land can also share their resources and their ways of thinking about interdependence with the broader community in Castlemaine. So we had a great chat out on the property a few months back um, yeah, where correct. Kaz gave me a tour of the property and a rundown of some of the logistics and some of the desires and, and thinking and behind the, the creation of their home people consciously living together in separate houses
0: on the same land. Cool, great. So before we begin any of that, I'd like to acknowledge that we are on Jara Country, which is the home of the Dja Dja people who have lived here for tens of thousands of years, taking care of the land and each other in all sorts of beautiful ways. And we would like to acknowledge elders past, present and emerging, and that we live on stolen land and that it always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Salt. Salt.
1: Salt of the earth.
0: Salt. Salt.
2: Salt. 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 Grass. 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 Salt of the earth people.
0: Grassroots, Grassroots. Grassroots change. Saltgrass. Listen to all episodes of Saltgrass on your podcast app or at saltgrasspodcast.com. You are listening to Saltgrass and today Zoe as the last of our Castlemaine Commons themed episodes we've got uh, Kaz or Caroline Nielsen from Murnong and that's our first set of interviews so let's let's talk a bit about that you just explained that the idea behind this chat was that um To look at how people who choose to live intentionally on the land and with each other can share a property and how some
1: I'm assuming in the interview you look at sometimes how that's difficult and how that that works so. Yeah, I I won't give too much away because it's um, all embedded within the audio file, but having Alison here as well is exciting from the Country Women's Association because both um, of the people I chatted to Alison as well during lockdowns, but the phone line was a terrible connection. So unfortunately, those interviews uh, didn't get recorded well enough, but it's great to have her here in person today in the studio And uh, I'm interested later on after hearing this recording to talk about some of the different forms of organising, grassroots organising that go on and the hard work behind that in terms of how do you deal with the interpersonal relationships, but also different levels of governance that can make things happen and be able to lobby and be able to um, make changes in alignment with one's values and the needs on the ground. And all of this, just to recap for anyone who's joining in and hasn't listened to the previous sessions together, I mean, all of this questioning around collective care and community organising locally is was very much in response to the pandemic and thinking about crisis and increasing precarity that's going on in the world environmentally and socially and economically and the understanding that we need each other and the different forms of community that exist uh, locally to be able to learn from each other uh, and build upon what's already existing.
0: Yeah, beautiful. So think about those things as we hear your
3: interview with Kaz from Vernong. We wanted to be a community in community, so we were very purposefully not wanting to, or the intention was not to be self-sufficient. So we wanted to be able to integrate in the community, so that we had transactional, not just transactional, but connections to community. But it was also supporting other, supporting the community. So not self-sufficient, and and um, uh, not self-sufficient, but and not isolated. We had, we bought two titles, so it was um ten acres in total but two titles one title with that house down down below and then we got the planning permit to do the subdivision into four titles and the bothy that was a common that's a common asset if you want and then yeah so we got the planning permit to do that and then we then had to put the services onto the blocks onto the titles So that was where we were just, in the early stages, just engaging with tradies to say, how much is this going to cost and how do you do it? And another thing we really all decided on was we wanted to share infrastructure as much as possible. So that's where the solar panels came along. And then we realised that hadn't been done in Australia. And we thought, well, if we set that precedent, it then means that say for example some elderly residents up at Kawika who arguably within their own little house or unit don't have great solar exposure they could then, if they can share solar panels they can put the panels anywhere and have one inverter and then what you just do is you measure your electricity consumption and, and you work out the electricity bills that way you kind of reconcile stuff so we um it took us a wee while to advocate for it it was a bit of a battle but um yeah because uh yeah we had to it was really exciting actually because steve brahini i don't know if you know him he's an electrician in town who was one of the earliest electricians who was totally in favor of solar you know solar um hot water solar panels and everything and he he came and did the electricity for us here at murnong he was great and he actually ended up, with us lobbying, he ended up going to meet Penny Wong in Canberra to lobby for this as a kind of system. Mm. So it was good. So we set a bit of a precedent there. So I, I think it took us over a year to lobby for it. Mm. So it reduced costs mm. and it set a precedent. So people that just don't have great solar exposure, you could share a system. They could put it on the neighbour's house and have one inverter. You know, you could set up legal systems. to really battle to get services on then mm. you know they just wear you down the process so I guess that's yeah. the benefit of oh, having you, um,
1: a group of people yes so you can, Yes. Um, take that on mm. the one person by the oh side. yeah definitely amazing that looks really touching <laughs> yeah some um, soy milk I think thanks love
3: thank sorry we've, uh, we've, the kids the little kids that live here down the both they, they, um, they ate all the biscuits this morning so <laughs> <laughs> little munchkins they're gorgeous though when other people have said, oh, I want to do a community, we said, look, it's a shitload of work. Mm. Um, not, 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 we don't want to put people off, but we want to be really realistic about the amount of work, what you really need to know. And you don't do it as, a, I wouldn't do it as one couple. Mm. It's a lot of work. So we had three families. Mm. Each family had little kind of portfolios that we researched while we were developing the concept and then finding land and then building it. Yeah. And I think that's that's a really good thing. Oh, there's no way. I don't know, Dean. We wouldn't have done this by ourselves. You want people to know this is you can do this. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we we share all the infrastructure. So we share the rainwater tanks and the dam water tanks that are up there. And then there's they're the header tanks, and then there's tanks down below that we pump up to there. And we share the solar, which sits on a common shed that we use a sort of work shed. We share veggie gardens and orchards. We share... we electricity water. We share woodlot. Mm. We share...
2: All
3: the, um... Yeah, orchards. We share the chooks. chooks. So there's not really much, apart from... But individual lots.
0: Mm.
3: So we're not, like, a cooperative. Well, I was... One of my little portfolios at the beginning was researching all the different legal structures of the different intentional communities in Australia. And even further. But, um... And, and finding out why they went with particular structures. And then the group eventually decided on this body corporate one because they felt, like you're saying, it was a sort of what they felt was a reasonable balance between the challenges of sharing stuff, but not the other, an added challenge of sharing a common purse mm. and having an individual lot where you could get in and out pretty quickly. You know, like Healsville and other communities where it's a cooperative. Mm. People sometimes can't leave for a while because it's all around a common decision-making process, mm. which can get quite, mm. understandably, quite fraught. Maybe or you know because there's a yeah, it's a consensus decision around who comes in instead of them. And yeah, it gets really. Whereas this is just you just sell on the open market. Yeah. So what we've got with a body corporate, when you get your subdivision and you sign on, if you want, like. As, as a body corporate in the subdivision law act, you've got to have rules, but it's like your compendium or whatever, that guide how you live and guide how you live in that legal structure. And there are standard rules, but most of the time the community... And they're they're kind of fairly standard rules, but most communities want their own special rules, that you call them. So we've got a compendium. We call it the Old Testament now because it's pretty outdated. But... Um, Rules around how you live together. Mm -hmm. And most of it's guidelines. Mm -hmm. They said, look, keep the rules to an absolute minimum Mm -hmm. and have more guidelines and have a really strong, robust consensus decision making process Mm -hmm. and a a really robust conflict resolution process. Conversation, Mm -hmm. rather than saying you cannot do this and you can't do that and having this huge Mm -hmm. rule book, you're kind of empowering people to have good honest mm. conversations about how do we do this. The the, yeah. the compendium, those special rules sit with the title if you want. Yeah, in the sub so so there's that conscious thing that when you sign off on the title, you're actually saying I abide by these rules and guidelines. Yeah. So our our process is if somebody wants to sell they come to the body corporate first and say, Hey, we're gonna sell and we get the rest of the body corporate get first option. If there's any family the families that are interested, they're meant to meet us, mm. come to see a working bee, come to meetings so they begin to sort of understand whatever culture we think we're about or the philosophy of the place. Yeah. There you
0: go. That was Carolyn Nielsen having a chat with Zoe as you walked around Murong And I love I love those incidental moments where like she's commenting on the kids having eaten all the biscuits and
1: <laughs> mm, the problems of collective living. <laughs> yeah.
0: oh. And I think any committee of management ever who's had a biscuit tin have had moments of, who ate all the biscuits? Where are all the biscuits? Um, I thought that was really interesting in terms of um, what she was reflecting on how in-depth they went in terms of thinking about what the best structure was to facilitate them to live as peacefully as possible. Mm. Because I think that often people come together with the best of intentions, but unless you have some rules in place or guidelines really make it conscious what everyone's expectations are of sharing that space, you can come to a lot of grief yeah. because we don't even know what we're expecting until we're in the thick of it and go,
1: but didn't you want to do that too? And then you realise you yeah. didn't. Yeah, having the exit strategy sort of yeah. embedded within that, but also that thing of learning from you know mistakes and, and things that have worked previously. In other places. You know, there's so many lessons yeah. to be learnt and gathered yeah to help those processes along yeah so
0: we have allison here from the cwa or the country women's association and i am sure that an organization that has survived over a century in australia has has had some very robust discussions mm. about governance and and how to how to go forward and how to conduct yourselves what maybe let's start with a little bit of history about the cwa allison do you can you tell us how it all started and and why
2: maybe it was formed i can't tell you so much about the overseas but i can tell you that the local one in castlemaine started as a main need during the war for the women to have a purpose to help each other and for those who don't have the men around them to be able to get the proper support and work together to with others with the community and especially those having babies because it was a hard yard being on your own with a baby <laughs> in those days. And so, was that World War One? Yeah, World War. Yeah, probably it came in a little bit into World War Two. Yeah, between between the two, there was a period. And you, and also to do with the land and the Great Depression, people and with everything. the land, yeah. yeah, all of those things linked together. Yeah. And so it started here. And one of the Lavini ladies was one of the ones from the, the original
0: ladies from the Buddha homestead, yeah. yeah, which is a famous historical homestead here in Castlemaine.
2: Yeah. yeah, so she was one of the early founders. Great. Mm.
0: And, but you were saying earlier off-air that perhaps the, the concept had started in Canada even.
2: Oh, I think it originally started in Canada before the turn of the century. Yeah. There was obviously needs over there and then went across to Britain as far as I know mm-hmm. and Britain, Scotland, UK I should say yeah. and then it, it um, made its way out to Australia.
1: Mm.
0: Very interesting. I think it's such uh, – I hadn't really realised – I think coming to Castlemaine, having grown up in the city – uh, I came here about 10 years ago and there's, you know, the idea is that it's all about scones and jam and cream and maybe some knitting. Well, it is. <laughs> but underlying that is a really solid foundation of support yeah. for community, isn't
2: yes, it? Yes, and, and they work together to lobby governments for changes for women. Mm-hmm. It's mainly there for women and children, women and their children. And predominantly it would have been a lot more on the land because they had less... They had less people helping them. So they used isolated. to get together much more isolated and in yeah. difficulty. tiny towns and that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. So we our purpose here was would have probably been quite different to
1: Britain Britain's and the Canada's originally. Sure. Yeah. And so when you say the land you mean in helping um, look after their property and the sort of yeah. needs. And how to
2: survive the... and how to work with each other to mm. to go forward and survive.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that really stood out when we chatted and you talked about that and just the difference of a regional context where yeah. there is such a distance. Yeah, but um, you could imagine people who, it was all horse and cart and walking
2: and a bike, so you can imagine people stranded even as far as Malden here trying to get together to do something. It was a lot harder. 20 k's by bike or walking
0: or... Horse and cart. Horse and cart is, is, is a really long way.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Very tough. So all the little towns used to have their own little groups and came together and some of the women travelled and helped each other.
0: Mm. Amazing. Mm. And so that's in the context, obviously, of the Great Depression and yep. the war. And, yeah, it's, yeah, they were very tough times, they? They
2: were very tough times. Mm. It's sort of that was where the land army became prominent too because the women had to do all the work on the land, farm, Mm. yeah for survival and, and keep K- keep food keep city people going <laughs> yeah that's right
1: so I guess that's a huge learning curve going on as well perhaps or just yeah. a huge yeah, increase in work uh, mm. no well some
2: of them were already doing it um, I was brought up on the land and I started I didn't know there was any other life I just thought everybody did it mm. yeah, and I was driving a tractor at 8 and all that sort of thing well Maybe. They still do it. It's <laughs> the rules, and regulations mm. have changed, but the yeah. um, what you're expected to do or what you're brought up with is on the land hasn't changed at all.
0: Yeah. Mm. And in terms of the rules and regulations within the organisation, how has the organisation changed over time to cater for the changing needs of the community, do you think?
2: I don't really think there's any less need for the assistance for women and their children than there was Mm. in those times, except they're different now. They might be... um, You might have more homelessness, visible homelessness, um, family violence. You might have... Uh, some of the women who are trying to climb the ladder are still got the same um, problems. They're not accepted. You, that's still there. That hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. And they're working hard, really hard, in agriculture. They're hard working hard to get labelling changed. Uh, you know, there's a huge big agricultural section of the CWA that works with different countries of the world. And they get together every so often and work out what to do or try to help. And you know, and then there's there's in the medical profession. Just about everything you think of. We're not just all hardly any of them actually stay at home and do scones and jam and cream. Yeah. But there are a lot who do and it's because the general public love it. Yeah. And that's one of the best fundraisers there are. It's a great way to fundraise.
0: <laughs> but that's really interesting that there's so much advocacy mm. and trying to change or push against how things mm. have been done conventionally, which is similar to what we heard Kaz talk about in terms of them mm. going well why don't we be the first ones why don't mm. we do that why don't we set the precedent for people sharing solar power across multiple households and they did it and yeah.
2: i think that's pretty amazing if yeah, they have scholarships there's the city runs run scholarships for different programs educational yeah. nursing agriculture there's i think six i can't think of the others at the moment mm. and is Each there
0: mm-hmm. is there international sort of collegiate
1: yeah, feeling it's so, called
2: yeah there's a thing called australian women Women of the World what is it I think it's called Women of the World and they each country helps other countries to like they they work on this where they're getting women in third world countries to have clean water the girls to be educated that sort of thing that's going on all the time Mm -hmm. and that's done out of London so you have Australia and then they go over and represent and they have um, other countries come in and they have that every second year I think like a big mm. conference and they a gathering do. yeah yeah, but they communicate all the time i bet they eat more than just scones and jam and cream yeah it's massive that that's, that's <laughs> some of them don't even get jam and cream in their interval here in yeah, their in-
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's really interesting to
2: hear how diverse the
0: activities at the cwa is yeah, mm. yeah. It's,
2: it's probably much more than you think it's very deep um i'm only just here on a in a little Little place in a little branch, and we just do our own thing. They also ask you to recognise what's needed in your own community and work towards that. And then, if you want to be involved, you just go into the into the next level, and you you do go into that. You can actually climb right up. Yeah. You can actually do really well. Yeah. And there, when you get right up there, you're able to, you're communicating with the politicians and the you know prime ministers and yeah, who, others. So you can make change. Mm. and so what have you seen being
0: needed in our region and and how many other women are involved at this very hyper local level in our town
2: uh well we've got five five branches in the shire just in
0: mount alexander shire alone correct five
2: branches Mm. and there some of them aren't very many but sometimes it's better not to have too many because you're you're all familiar with how many too many in a group uh so the over the covid it would be the isolation and the lack of communication and people who, feeling desperate, like, what to do, how to get over this, I'm not going to be able to make it, that sort of thing, was very prominent. And then when we had the property, being able to have somewhere to live became really prominent as well. So the housing crisis, a lot of The housing crisis and the family violence numbers yeah. went up as well. It's so the um make, yeah. Yeah, so that was what I was witnessing in yeah. our region. Mm. Yeah, great. Mm.
0: Yeah, very tough times for a lot of people, and I think it was interesting to see that consciousness of family, how family violence is increasing through the pandemic, because stress levels and financial distress and financial insecurity and all of those things, and people being stuck in a house together and yeah, not being was able what to it leave. Was. It was the <laughs>
2: fact that you weren't able to go and see somebody. Yeah, you might be interested to know that the in family violence, the the male often allows the woman or go to CWA only. That's the only thing he'll let her go to because he sees that as safe. Yeah. So he's he doesn't have to control that.
0: Yeah. Well, he, whereas he'll control every other social interaction she has. That's really interesting. in the studio with Zoe Scolio and Alison Nye from the CWA. Zoe, what have we got coming up next?
1: So we're returning to my conversation with Kaz, Carolyn Nelson. I'm at Murnong in Castlemaine where Kaz is continuing to share with me about how her home, the sort of body corporate set up um, on the property where she lives was established and some of the needs that informed the decisions around living in such a way the personal
0: needs like the individual mm. human needs rather the human than human needs yeah and the
1: desires and the ethics and values that underpin it as well
0: because it was so interesting with the first clip that you played of hers how much they had to think about the governance and the structure and all that sort of stuff mm. and, and that of course exists to support the human beings who have to interact with each other
1: mm. and yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting in terms of the theme of this series around thinking about care and interdependence, and now understanding our responsibility not just to look after ourselves, but to be able to look after each other. Um, so anyway, mm-hmm. these themes will be you'll hear being played out in the particular context of Kaz's life. All right, great. Let's hear it.
3: Right, we'll go for a wonder. Do you I want an icy pole? Oh, I'm good. Yeah? yeah. You sure? Thanks. Do you want beer?
1: Uh, I'm good the tea the, t- the taste of the tea is still um, Yeah yeah yeah
3: okay level. all right you'll a very we'll nice
1: cup of tea thanks for that mm.
3: That's all right
2: I'll
1: let yeah, you I'll let you handle
3: this tea. thing mm. So back in 2001 there was three families really keen on building some sort of community So we did a bit of research we started looking for land around here in Castle Maine and you know, I had I think some really good big big conversations about fears concerns needs Passions, you know. How do we do this? Hmm. We really went with that idea of um, not too many rules, but lots of guidelines. So we really took on that, or felt, yeah, that seemed a good idea to us. That if you, if we build capacity as a group of people and build healthy enough relationships, you shouldn't need lots of rules. You know, we'd be able to figure it out. Okay. So the need was um, c- oh, creating, nurturing. I don't know, whatever. Uh, a community and however we define community is an interesting one. Um, affordable housing and the need to raise our children in a more collective way. But I don't think we had an intention that that was literally uh, as, as intentional as... It was more, yes, we're, we're recognising we're on common land, so the kids will inevitably kind of be raised by all of us in a way. But it wasn't like... We have the same rules for all the kids or anything like that. But yes, yeah, so I think the needs were affordable housing definitely because we realized, I mean that was a long time ago, but even then prices were rising around housing and land. Um, well, and, and a collective collective um, way of um, living together and in, in reducing your footprint. So it was a sort of, yeah, looking after country kind of thing when we when we got the titles and we're ready to invite people on board we had about i reckon we had about 20 families interested mm. and generally the women they're all hetero couples mm. the women were really keen mm. and the men not so keen generally i mean i'm generalizing heaps here but i was just mm. fascinated at the gendered yeah. kind of perspective the men didn't like the clustered housing situation. They would have been more interested if it had been further apart. They really wanted their space when we were sharing so much infrastructure, whereas the women really liked that. Because none of us had biological family in, in the Shire. Mm. Interesting. So, and, and I think that was part of it. It was, how do we do this? Um, you know, creating family or 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 it's a different type of family you know i'm always interested in castlemaine where people just uh not just but with with an intention to do something similar pull down fences amongst houses mm. and so they you know i'm intrigued by that and i wonder you know they're um in the definition of community where you know some people say community is actually where you're You're relating to people you wouldn't necessarily choose to relate to. That's real community. Mm. You know, where there's neighbourhoods in town that they just pull the fences down and just done stuff together and you think, oh that's I think that's awesome. Mm. You know. I think during the the pandemic we we decided to meet once a week, I think. Just to check in. It was more I think we just called it a check-in, just to see how people were going and what we could do to support each other but also support the broader community.
0: That was Carolyn Nielsen, or Kaz, talking about her experience of setting up and running Murnong, which is uh, a, a group of houses. And I thought that was really interesting and it really echoes some of the points that we've been talking about with Alison here, especially about... I really appreciated that point she made about the women's desire to gather closer together and support each other in the raising of the families and whatever other needs they might have and how that wasn't necessarily reflected amongst the men in the group. Mm. Um, I just thought that was fascinating.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is interesting to notice the different gendered sort of stereotypes and norms, but also that thing of raising children, like uh, traditionally being... Um, the women's domain mm-hmm. um, and how much that you know requires a village a village has a lot more care that is needed and, and time and energy and yeah a village exactly yeah. so this these sort of like basic needs I think also really determining um, ways in which people build relationships and friendships or extended family to be able to feel supported and support each other mm. and um Yeah, I also love um, Kaz's mention around how do we define community? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important question to keep coming back to in terms of the fact that community is not this monocultural thing. But in fact, it's very much about how do we engage with difference and with people who might have very different lived experiences and and worldviews and to be able to find ways of caring and connecting um, and building uh yeah relations with um those that have very different ways of being in the world absolutely
0: i I find it really interesting because the word community is thrown around all over the place obviously like you can have a community of like-minded folk or a community that are together simply situationally because they live on the same street but uh, when I lived in Melbourne, for example, all of my communities were very similar age, very similar interests, and we would all go to... I was in the art scene, so we'd all go to exhibitions together and go out to parties together, and while I was in my 20s, it was that was my community. I didn't have to interact with my 80-year-old neighbour, three houses down, or, you know... I wasn't involved in local council. I wasn't involved in all sorts of levels. And when I moved out to Castlemaine, I really noticed that the community was naturally in a small town much more diverse and people with similar interests were all age ranges. You wouldn't just be with your 20-something mates who had the same interest. You'd be with people of all age ranges who had that same interest. And in lots of ways that diversity feels so much healthier in a lot of ways. But what she was saying was um, sometimes that's when you are relating to someone you wouldn't normally interact with and I, I found that a really interesting point too and I think that, that maybe that's a good link back to the Country Women's Association. Alison, what would be your reflection on what makes what for makes
2: community. community? Yeah, respect, respect for each other, respect for what they are, they're, never mind how old or young they are or whether they're um, upright or not, you just have to work out How to deal with that, and some of them want privacy. Just make sure you do that, but keep an eye. So you just try and build on what you have, and then enlarge on that. And after a while, some of that becomes changes and becomes it becomes closer to you as well. Yeah. So in other words, don't just look after your neighbours. Look after just a bit further down, and Mm. just keep half an eye on what's going on a bit further, because it will it will affect you some way. So you may as well, you know, embrace it. And do what you can. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to, you know, go and put your nose in there all the time or interfere or make too many scones. You just, you know, you can sit back from that and think, okay, well, how can we help? Should we ring up or should we just, you know, get their mail for them? Or what should we do to help the older or the disabled? Mm -hmm. And make sure they get out and meet people and Mm -hmm. stop this isolation, social isolation that is here quite apparently, actually.
1: I was wondering as well in terms of um, dealing with difference how does the CWA in its governance structure, or I, I can imagine it's different for every group as well because there's so much diversity in that front um, but how how the group or from your experience have managed um, difference and also in terms of there being younger generations coming on board and the difference in sort of perspectives or experiences of people of different generations.
2: It's very welcoming and they do sometimes have they have a project each year and some of the projects are let's work with kindergartens this year and there's other projects that might be teenagers there's um they have a medical thing they look after so they learn about that and so you if, if you want to enlarge on that or any branch wants to enlarge on that, they're welcome to. But it's more becoming aware, making people aware, and then is there something we can do to make that better?
0: Mm-hmm. And I guess uh, society is ever-changing, and I'm sure the Country Women's Association has had to change with it in terms of accepting different people and this is not a question i ran by you before we <laughs> came on air but has the country women's association had to grapple with you know there's ever emerging ideas about what womanhood is and the trans community are becoming more uh, apparent and vocal and uh s- representing is that has the country women's association had to think about defining what a woman is and
2: uh, they do accepted? all the time i'm sure they do every yeah. day yeah. and in the um they've had to deal with a lot of it and in amongst them are some of those people. So mm. they've got to learn how to work with those people and mm. and to take that forward and to, to to accept their needs and what can we do to make it better for everybody else. Yeah, so they'll be dealing with it every day.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because that's really fundamentally your core values are how yeah. do we make sure people... Women and are, children. Are, yeah, women and children are taken care of and, mm. yeah, it's... As long as you stick to those core values, I think you
2: can come through. It doesn't through. matter what you like. It doesn't matter whether you got you know yeah. three years or. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just if you need help, you need help. That's it. Let's what what can we do? Yeah, mm. and so can any woman
0: approach the CWA and say hi.
2: <laughs> yeah, any the, any female. Well, actually, it, you can actually we can actually have men come to meetings and events. We're not a closed door. But they can't vote. Under the um, Corporation Act, how it's set up, it's uh, women only are, are members only. Mm. So members get certain rights and then the men. But the, I've often been to events where the men are there as well. They're yeah. there for other reasons like heavy lifting, <laughs> yeah. driving someone home <laughs> and um, minding the children, whatever needs to be done. So we embrace people. We, we love people. Yeah. It's not, but they... Often the women's interests are a little bit different to some of the men so they usually uh, back in the sit- out the car and the so and the car go for drive yeah. while the women do their um, you know talk about their other things they're doing this week mm. this month
1: mm. yeah I've been I noticed um, I'm just curious I had a question but I'm also curious what the differences are like what do the women like to talk about uh, different are...
2: branches have different um, things like one mm. one area might just do theatre there's a lot of people who do theatre some people do books they do a lot of book club some will do uh, agriculture there's some who are out there to change what's going on overseas for the betterment of women Um, some are in it just for the cooking some are in it and uh, our branch at the moment is enlarging on keeping items out of landfill so we're working with the uh, local op shop to the things they don't sell we get given and we make items and we just got a grant from the shire yes thank you <laughs> for a bit but- sewing machine so we can do some more sewing for that mm. and some of the what we're trying to do with that is if we can send some to the indigenous community because they've got nothing we've got things we're throwing in the tip they've got nothing they've got rags so yeah. we're just looking for if there's anybody knows anyone who will who goes to regularly to Alice Springs Uh, we've got we've got things we can send them
0: yeah great so
2: that's the sort of thing our branch is doing another one might work more on they might even do agricultural but they might be doing gardens community gardens or there's just different things people go into schools and work with the children when they're allowed (laughs) And i guess it depends who
0: else is active in the community working on that level so we've got community house who've got a community garden and they do community lunch so Mm. you guys don't need to do that because no, they're doing it.
2: That's right. Well we can still join in and, and enlarge it and take it further. Mm. But the yeah, so you look at your needs in the community and try and work out what your brand should be good at or what you enjoy the most. And at the moment we're into hands, hands-on sewing crochet um, making things. So if anyone wants to have any experience or needs out to know how to mend something, we're here. We're on.
1: Mm. Great, <laughs> they're good skills to have. Yeah.
2: Well they are passing on skills. That's what we're good at. We're good at thrift and we're good at passing on skills.
1: Mm. Great. You mentioned as well um, previously around being um, quite a big lobby group in Australia yes, yeah. or one of the biggest women's uh, lobby whim- group left biggest, in Australia. Yeah, wow. Mm. Are you, but that's another thing I found an interesting parallel in terms of what Kaz was talking about and the Country Women's mm. Association are those, um, what are those governance structures? How do you, how does it work in terms of lobbying government or for different um, policies? And and you
2: start at your branch level, you go to your group level and then you go. Through to the main conference and put resolutions up, similar to a lot of brand, a lot of groups do that same format. And from there, that then they get representation to the parliamentarians and put their what they voted for, what we've asked for.
1: Mm. So really, coming up from the grassroots mm. of people addressing needs on the ground and. Mm. Well, advocating. sometimes you have to go. It has to be a government
2: resolution. Sometimes it's only within your own area. Mm. Just depends on what your needs are, what what you're trying to change, what you're trying to get better.
1: Yeah, what are some examples of things that the Country Women's Association have successfully advocated for?
2: Seatbelts in cars, Um, helmets for bikes. This is only what I can remember. Um, Labelling, labelling on food products throughout the world. Um, They're into sustainability heavily. Um, Homelessness, there's dealing with homelessness social isolation, mm. medical, things to do with medical issues, mm. that's very high up.
0: They're yeah. really significant mm. um, changes that have, yeah. you know, been done obviously for the safety and well-being of everyone. Mm. But it's amazing that it took the Country Women's Association to really push Which that
2: should, through. Yeah. Oh, and I didn't say about the sometimes... The women's issues in general, they're very strong on pushing for women's issues, of course. Mm. Yeah.
1: It's interesting as well... Uh, Kaz mentioned briefly around the check-in that they were doing during COVID in in the community there in, at Murnong. The sort of, you know, checking in on your neighbours, which I'm sure lots of people um, around the world were doing in, in these times. You don't have to be part of a particular organisation to do that. People can just do that um, at any point. However, it does seem that maybe certain pre-existing communities and organisations Uh, in some instances were better positioned to be able to respond to these crises and support each other and especially around housing and basic needs around food and shelter and safety Um, you know and I was was curious just to hear from you as well around some of the things that um, the Country Women's Association were doing um, in that time
2: Just keeping in touch with each other and trying to see that people were surviving and able to be mentally alert if they needed appointments, somebody should be able to help them. I, for instance, looked after a... We've got a young mum, single mum with us. She had a hernia removed during COVID. I looked after her little girl. <laughs> her three-year-old was wonderful. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what what's it brought you, being part of the Country Women's oh, Association? It's just a matter of, that I can help the community and hopefully get changes where they need to be just like that and to pass on skills yeah. yeah and to
0: hang out with beautiful three-year-olds Oh uh, yeah know. hang
2: out with um yeah be surrogate grandmothers like we all are <laughs> yeah. um do you feel like being involved over how long have you been involved with the country since i was 18 wow i was a single parent myself and at 18 and i used to go with my mum she couldn't drive so i used to take her mm. wow mm. and was she In involved New South Wales. before that no, she wasn't because she couldn't get anywhere. She was isolated. She couldn't drive. She was one of those women that they needed to help. <laughs> yeah, back in New South Wales on, on land, so we were, yeah.
0: Very interesting. So you actually really understood what what a difference it could make to for women to have support and yeah from, how from an early age actually yeah.
2: from an early age yeah. and yeah. So New South is probably little, has a slightly different emphasis than Victoria. Uh, i have noticed but at the end of the day it's really a matter of what's happening in your town or your area and that's what grows but the the be to be able to pass on our skills and to work with youth and to see a betterment for women is still there Mm. and obviously you still see it as being vital in our community as as much as ever yeah Mm.
0: what do you see the future of the organization being
2: uh, it'll probably struggle a little because a lot of the people are older. We need to work harder to work in with youth and get them involved and get them into the... joining the committees and things, so we're, so they can then take it further, be a little bit more politically involved, I guess. Um, they'll all... if they haven't... If you if come across a child when they're young and you teach them something, I'll never forget it, and that's something that doesn't go away. So that's the sort of thing. Mm. We, not only we shouldn't do it, everybody should do it, but <laughs> we're very good at it. Yeah. Mm.
0: And I guess uh, as governments come and go, either Liberal or Labor mm. or, you know, left or right, we see services being whittled down or enhanced. And uh, I think in Australia we are very lucky. We have got a lot of governmental support compared to other places for medical needs and, and uh, you know, we've got... That, you know centrelink to support people who who can't work for whatever reason but it's obviously not really enough for people no. to live well and a lot of people talk about this but at least we have a very bare minimum um but i think organisations like the country women's association is so vital because you're always there no matter the ebbs and flows mm. of those different governmental kind of like supports for society you, you're always there underneath just saying we've, we've still got you
2: yeah they're still there <laughs> they're still there they're still raising funds they're still tra- trying to get a, a betterment every day yeah. which is
1: interesting because I guess it formed before a lot of those social security services were in place um, there wasn't as well. anything for the
2: women so I think ago. yeah
1: and as it's sort of collapsing and being further eroded and so many people um, that fall through the gaps as well you know Mm. this you know the importance of learning from those who have lived experience of gathering together to support I had a great chat as well with Lin, uh, Wilson Bunton as part of this project who's part of the pioneers and Re- old residents of Castlemaine Association and um, he was also mentioning just on his own life of um, Using for his first home a a housing co-op and and different sort of friendly societies and you know how these co-ops were created to be able to provide housing based on people's income and means and that sort of direct alignment and now you know the housing crisis is absolutely insane and just the fact that so many people are really struggling to make ends meet and um, um, yeah there's I think a lot to be learnt intergenerationally from
2: yeah, there's a whole, there's a whole different ball game now than when. I mean, I slept in my car. I know what it's like to be homeless. So it's it's different now though. On based on basically what you can earn and where you can live, it's the gaps closing. But a lot of people now, sadly, won't live together as much as they did when I was on my own. I just had to put up with living in one room in one small flat, sharing to be able to take myself up to the next level. But that we've we've broke somehow or other that's been broken down and so shared housing yeah Mm -hmm. well any format you know Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. if people did a lot more of that here we would have half the problem we would have Mm
1: -hmm. here which is why i guess kaz's example is so great as Mm -hmm. well like learning about models that exist of like we know we need to we need to live together and find ways to live together to be able to make things possible but we're Mm -hmm.
2: coming we're Going apart from that, I'm not mm. quite sure what that is in this in this area. There's a lot of single. I know a lot of single households where a mm. single person's in a household.
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess a lot of it coming down to legislation as well and um, zoning and how the regulations are also, also playing out. Yeah, and culturally, people just mm. have expectations. I guess
0: we we are running out of time. I'm really aware, but I did want to point out that there are uh, housing groups that are looking at how mm. people can share land and. And things like that so anitra nelson i know is involved with that it's uh, there are definitely people talking about those things but how much it's it's possible is another or how much people are really prepared to share and i think Mm -hmm. that's where having good governance really makes or breaks people's ability to share spaces like that anyway i think we need to wrap up we're coming up to five o'clock and
1: Mm. Uh, thanks thank so you. much, Alison. Yeah, thank thanks
0: you. so much for coming in.
1: That's
0: okay. And thanks, Kaz, for chatting to Zoe on another
1: day. Thanks, Kaz, and thanks Ali for having me on Saltgrass and oh, Castlemaine Commons as part of this. It's been a real it's been great. treat to yeah. share stories with you and chat. Salt 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 of the earth. Salt 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 of the Grass. Roots. grass. grass- grassroots, grass-works,
2: grass-works, grassroots. Grassroots. Salt
0: of the earth people. Grassroots change. Saltgrass. Listen to all episodes of saltgrass on your podcast app or at saltgrasspodcast.com.